1: Whatever. Whatever. That's the song. <laughs> yeah, Shakira. Oh, Dun, yeah. Da, da 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 We're gonna sing a song at the top of the show and you can't do anything about it. Ha! I don't know the the words of this one. Me neither. I just know it goes wa da That sounds almost exactly like Shakira. I'm gonna address it right now. We've had some complaints that we've singing that we're singing at the top of our episodes and you know <laughs> what if we're gonna sit here and talk to you for an hour straight we're gonna do whatever we damn well please at that's the right. top of the uh,
2: show we had like one complaint most people i think at least find it funny
1: yeah i, I mean it's not like we are professional singers by any means so there is what that what are you talking about i went to juilliard <laughs> not true i, I studied uh, i wasn't an cappella group but that's beside the point What's up, everybody? How's it going? You are listening to another episode of The Command Zone. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. And uh, if you guys are watching the video version, you'll notice that we have some product in front of us. There's a
2: a bundle, which is formerly known as... It's the uh, packaging formerly known as a fat pack. (laughs) The new fat pack. Yeah. Um... We also have some of these new Planeswalker decks.
1: Very exciting, Uh, and this, by the way, is the fruition of your guys' support to the show because we got this sent to us from Wizards of the Coast, and that means we're gonna give it away to you all. We have a lot of Kaladesh product. We also have a booster box sent right over here, uh, and we're gonna be giving these away over the next few episodes or so.
2: Yeah, Watsi was really nice to send us stuff. They've done this in the past uh, a few times. You know, when we're always, Sort of asking you guys to do various things like follow us on Twitter, subscribe to us on YouTube, um, give us positive reviews on iTunes. This is why. It's not because, you know, Jimmy, I'm going to speak for Jimmy here. Jimmy has like a 100,000 Twitter followers. (laughs) He doesn't care if he gets a couple more or really how many Twitter followers CommandCast has. It's not like making him look it's actually making them look smaller because it's way less than his (laughs) 100,000. But the reason that we do it is because that increases the visibility of the show Mm -hmm. in the eyes of places like Wizards of the Coast and allows us to do things like They give us product because we're advertising for their product. So they want to keep that going, and we want to pass that along to the listeners. So that's why we ask that stuff. I know um, occasionally, most of the time not, but occasionally somebody will be like, how dare you ask me to give you a good review on iTunes? It's not really for us. It's mostly for the exposure of the show so that we can do stuff like this. So we're going to pass all this stuff along. Um, You want to announce how we're going to give away. We're going to give away first... These Planeswalker decks. Which is cool. They come with a, uh, a never-before-printed
1: Planeswalker version that's meant more for a... It's a bit more casual because the CMC is higher. It's not meant to destroy standard. Uh, they are standard legal, They are though. standard legal, yeah. So these decks are really cool. They're themed around the Planeswalkers, uh, Chandra and Nyssa in this case. And we're going to give these first two away. The other stuff is going to be coming in later episodes, but these two will be given away. All you have to do is follow us on Twitter, and we're going to select two random people that haven't won a prize from us in the last 90 days, and they're going to get... A sweet
2: planeswalker deck for free in the mail pretty sweet so what we're gonna do is this episode comes out on october 11th and you and we're going to announce that winner within one week so if you're following us on the 18th of october you'll be of eligible to win yeah, a I, thought you, I thought you going to say of age uh, you'll be of age. congrats, congrats. <laughs> um so go ahead go to twitter follow us at command cast for a chance to win And also. Who knows? We've got a couple of these uh, bundles. We've got a booster box. We've got a couple more Planeswalker decks. I'm not saying they'll all be given away on Twitter, but just following us on Twitter will be a good way to have a chance to win that stuff, I guarantee. Yeah, we've given lots of of stuff on Twitter before, and of course before we get into the episode
1: today, let's move these awesome prizes out of the way. Let's talk about the sponsor for the show. This show is brought to you by us, and also CardKingdom.com
2: CardKingdom.com
1: Very excited, as always, to talk about Card Kingdom. Uh, They... You,
2: you had something you wanted to say, right? Yeah, they sent us a really nice email uh, a couple days ago. That's all it takes. Just saying how well the sponsorship was going, which was really, you know, it's funny to think that, like, a sponsor sending you that email made me feel good. I don't know about you. I, it felt amazing. And mostly it made me feel good because that meant you guys were supporting us. And so that's what really felt great about it was, like, we came on and we got a sponsor for the show. And, you know, you guys have taken it really in stride and and really supported us by using the affiliate link, which is cardkingdom.com slash command zone. And that really, It's just awesome. It shows how great our listeners are, what a great audience we have, what a great community that we've built. It just made me feel really good. So I just wanna say thank you to everybody out there who's supported us by using our affiliate link and going to cardkingdom.com. We hope you continue to do it. So you guys can go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone. You guys can
1: buy sweet Kaladesh stuff. They have great deals going on all the time as well as all sorts of random giveaways. just have to pay attention to the website, but make sure you use our affiliate link, cardkingdom.com slash command
2: zone. All right. So do you wanna introduce our, our topic? This is really Jimmy, uh, he's, yeah. dr- he's driving on this one. Yeah, I'm driving the vehicle. I've oh, crewed nice. it. Oh, nice, you've crewed it. Yeah. What What's the crew cost of this particular the, episode? The crew cost is one, it's me.
1: Oh, yours I is a one? I have a power of one. Actually, it's crew cost two, because without you this doesn't happen, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, I like it. There you go. Uh, so the main topic today is we're gonna talk about the meta and you. So I was driving uh, in real life, not a vehicle, and I was thinking about like all the different games I played in the past and where I fit into the meta in them, and I realized this is a word that used to really confuse the heck out of me. I used to hear people saying it, and some people were like, "Oh, that's such a meta joke," and I never really understood what it meant. Um, so the more time I realized is I've I've spent I've spent think I've spent a lot of time thinking about the meta in the past, uh, and I realized that this is something a, a concept that applies across your entire life. Mm-hmm. Uh, You're always in a meta. This podcast is its own meta. The podcast itself is in the meta of podcasts.
2: The singing at the beginning of the podcast is so meta. It's super meta.
1: Uh, So it's been a tool that I've used, and I'm sure you have as well, to better enjoy gaming experiences and also to perform better in the games that you want to be better at. So uh, in episode six was the last time we had a meta discussion. With Alex Kessler. So it was
2: 120 episodes ago. Yeah,
1: 120 episodes ago, we thought it, it would be a good time to revisit the idea. And too to ex- soon? Too, too, too soon? soon? Maybe. Yeah. Someone's like, guys, you need to think of better new topics. <laughs> Where's my deck tech? Uh, <laughs> so before we get deep into it, let's first talk about what is a meta. So in the dictionary, meta is referring to itself or the conven- of the convention or to the conventions of its genre, self-referential. So uh meta jokes happen very often in movies especially like sequels or like things where like arnold schwarzenegger says i'll be back again in the movie in the future it's like well obviously he's sort of like doing a little nudge nudge wink wink at the audience and also referencing itself in the movie it's like when the character breaks the fourth wall
2: yeah there was a great moment west the west wing one of my favorite tv shows of all time and there's a, a- a few times they make fun of the most famous aspect of that show is the walk and talk, which mm-hmm. is they're walking and talking, and it's on a steady cam that's sort of a camera following them. And there's a couple points where one of the great ones, I forget the two characters, but they're like, where are we going? I was following you. I was following you. Let's never speak of this again. And they go. And it's making fun <laughs> of the walk and talk, and that's a meta joke. That's hilarious. I didn't realize that happened I happened in the show. I forget which episode. I'm sure Blake Rasmussen would know. He's a huge... He's got like a West Wing tattoo or something. No, wait, Sports Night. Same... Aaron Sorkin. Aaron anyway. Sorkin.
1: <laughs> um, so when we talk about meta in terms of gaming, it specifically refers to the group at large that play the game. So the size and shape of a meta is something that's always going to be changing and dependent on the game. It's very variable. Um, metas exist in almost every single multiplayer game. It's not as relevant in single player because you're kind of competing against yourself I don't in know a way. if that's true,
2: actually. I, I do think they exist. You'll, you'll hear the pro tour players for... For, in Magic, and and that's a that's a one on one format, right? They'll talk about what. they Oh, right. Expect. That's what I meant. Sorry, you need other people to exist. Oh, correct. If it's a solitaire game. Solitaire, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Because, yeah, then there's there's probably not a meta. I guess if they- I guess there's I get maybe. I don't know. Not a meta in the way that we mean, but that probably technically there is there. Yeah, a meta always exists. Meta is everywhere. Um, so League of
1: Legends is a very classic example of a meta that is ginormous. We're talking about so big that they have to separate their servers into different regions of the world there are millions upon millions of people playing this game of all different ages, shapes, sizes, genders, everything.
2: That's a really good, uh, interesting example, and, and I'll sort of expand upon that if you're familiar with League of Legends. If you're not, sorry, it'll just take a second. Um, I stopped playing for a while. Mm-hmm. And recently, I think we talked about on the show, I I had a friend who wanted to learn and I was sort of teaching him and with a couple other friends, and so I started playing again, and one of the early things that I noticed was like, oh, the meta has changed, and what I meant by that was there were certain positions in the game where certain types of characters would normally go, Mm -hmm. so in League of Legends, there's what's called an AD carry, a support, there's mid, top, and a jungle, but it used to be different types of characters would go to mid than they do now, Right. and so... When I would like pick a character, I would normally be like, "Oh, that's a top laner," and then somebody's like, "No, that's a mid laner," and I'm like, "Oh, I guess it's a mid laner now." So the whole thing has changed maybe a little bit. That's the shift in the meta, right? Over a couple of years, I went away, I came back, and all of a sudden, because of the way that other people start playing the games, maybe new strategies emerged, or, mm-hmm. or patches new...
1: have happened to change certain characters, certain characters, yeah.
2: Uh, maybe items change. A lot of things can happen, and and over time, that and again, this happens with Magic, where it's like you know, oh, the, yeah. the meta shifts, maybe blue was like the color that was always played in the past, and you come back to Magic now, and, and maybe blue's not as strong in this current meta. Yep. Uh, there's also meta
1: differences between PC and consoles. Uh, for instance, a game that's played across both, like Battlefield recently came out, and if you play on the PC, uh, it one, the meta's a little different because everyone's graphics quality is a little bit higher, but also because people can use their mouse yeah. to aim at stuff. So in the PC version, I've heard that you, you just die in the open field maps because everyone's playing a sniper. Whereas in the FPS console version, that doesn't happen at all because it's very hard to get that pinpoint accuracy with a controller. So it, that's a difference in the meta between the two games, just between the same game and different uh, consoles that they're playing on.
2: Yeah. Overwatch had that same thing. And in fact, mm-hmm. they had to balance the two things separately. So there was, cause I would play both so certain friends would play overwatch on the PS4 and certain ones would play on the PC and I'd be like, wait, this character's a little different yeah. on the two, like the, the damage amount is actually different because it's, it, they have to adjust for the fact that it's harder to aim on the on the console than it is yeah. on PC. And turn around 180 too. For yeah, and characters. just
1: move in general, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, MMOs as well, uh, I played on a very specific server for uh, World of Warcraft back in the day. We wanted to be the, one of the top-rating guilds, but if you took that same guild and put it in a bigger server, we would not be, no, we'd be nowhere near the top. Right. Other people had done things that we ha- had only dreamed about. And that's just a difference again. So the meta is always changing. It's dependent not only on the game, but also where it's played, uh, who plays it. Who
2: your group is that mm-hmm. you're playing
1: with, yeah. So the meta for Magic the Gathering specifically, uh, it breaks down into all kinds of categories with all, bunch, all, all these different formats. Um, each format is its own different meta. And I think in general, it breaks down into two main categories, which is casual play versus non-casual play. So casual is
2: what we usually talk about the most on the show. You're playing at your friend's house, kitchen table magic. It's really what Commander is because Mm -hmm. in general, there's not organized Commander, right? You might go to a GP and they'll have some side events where there's prizes for Commander. We're actually not even big advocates of that because the format doesn't really work well in that situation. Yeah. So Commander is sort of by default in the casual category most of the time obviously there's 1v1 dual commander and there are people who sort of play quote unquote more competitively but in general it's not a tournament setting not that they don't have leagues and tournaments it's just less common
1: yeah uh and then the non-casual category is the people that go to gps to try and grind out points the people that play in pro tours uh even the people that play in friday night magic every single week and want to win their you know their their standard tournament or whatever
2: i wouldn't even call pre-release quote-unquote casual mm-hmm. it's a little bit it's 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 casual rel, but it's not which is the rules enforcement but it's not exactly casual because you can call a judge you Yeah, know, it's yeah. there are prizes on the line i think that's actually probably the defining factor of what's casual versus non-casual is prizing is if you're playing for something yeah outside of like pride Right, yeah, you're playing for something tangible <laughs> or fun, of course. Yeah, like you're winning cards or you're winning something at the end. Yeah, of it. yeah.
1: Um, and each of these in casual and on casual has their own subcategories. So uh, every single subcategory is the format of Magic. So there's Vintage, Legacy, Modern, Standard, Limited, Commander, Highlander, Popper. Um, in general, you're not going to find too many casual Vintage players, but I would say that there are definitely casual Legacy players—people that play decks that they don't want to play to win. They just want to build their fun, janky combo deck with this card in it. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the meta of magic. It's very, it's like a giant tree with lots of different branches, lots of different options there. Uh, in today's episode, we're going to talk about addressing the meta in several steps as commander players. So the first is determining the meta that you're in as a commander player. The second is how to evaluate yourself against the meta that you're in, and how to evaluate the meta against yourself. And the third step is
2: how to adjust, capitalize, and change the meta. Control your meta. Control your destiny. Understanding and controlling the meta is a huge thing in all games.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, and, and to take a brief aside about how it applies to life, Like my friend group is a meta. Yep. My uh, The people I work with on a professional level is a meta.
2: Yep. So, your business, like the business of show, show business is a total meta.
1: Yeah, so hopefully you guys will be able to apply some of these lessons across your life and see how you can Take hold of your life and make it something.
2: Make it something special. Make it something, because you I'm I'm are even the one, one guy.
1: It's been a while since we've said that. I know. <laughs> something about the way you
2: said the other thing made me think of it.
1: Yeah, I think I, was, I, was, I, was, I felt the energy of the yeah. You were doing Jack Palance. Yeah. Uh, so first step, determining the meta.
2: Who are you, the
1: player, in the meta? A meta does not exist without players. Uh, it can't be this empty, solitary, voiceless gap you have to be people in the meta to create the meta. So being the person that affects and changes it, uh, I have some questions to ask yourself, and we'll answer these questions as well as we go along so you guys get a better understanding of our play groups. So where do you play the most often? Uh, is it weekly at your LGS? Is it at your friend's house? Is it at the GP? Is it at Riot? Is it at Riot? <laughs> uh, That's I, where we play the most. <laughs> I play the most limited at Riot and yeah. a couple of very specific LGSs, and I play, I play the most commander uh, at friends' houses, almost always.
2: Yeah, although we'll play commander at Right also. Um And then sometimes we'll meet at, yeah, at an LGS, but you're right, mostly yeah. at friends' houses. Yeah. But for the most part, I find that the people that we
1: play with are usually the same group, rotating group of seven to 12 people. Yeah. Um what percentage do you play and where because we could play with the same people but mostly play something else you know but i'd say the majority of the, the time i'm playing limited and commander nothing i don't play standard modern in any of those formats
2: yeah every once in a while like kessel will be there and he'll have a deck and he'll be like, sure i'll play a, a yeah. match of modern but in general yeah the, the it's commander limited usually both maybe some arch enemy in the not future. at the same time but one than the other Oh, yeah. I can see us doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Conspiracy counts as...
1: Conspiracy, yeah. But that's that's still limited. Um, A second question you should ask yourself is, what kind of player am I? How do I like to win games? How do I usually lose games? Um, I think I'm a mix between a Johnny Spike a little bit, Um, sometimes Timmy, but for the most part, I'm a person that really likes to win, and I find that I often like to win in not flashy ways, but just... Solid, got there, like cool. You eked it out, kind of wins. I'm, I'm not trying to like blow someone out with a huge, crazy combo or anything.
2: Yeah, I'm totally a Johnny. So yeah, you definitely love the combo decks. I'm, yeah, and even when we play limited, I'm like, I don't know. I just drafted <laughs> these two cards because I wanted to see what they do and yeah. if I could make them work. And it's okay if I go like one and two or whatever. But I might just do something awesome. And that's fine. That'll make my whole night. I'm a total Johnny. That actually answers the second question, which is how do you usually lose
1: games? Yeah, I usually <laughs> lose by,
2: like, my thing doesn't actually work very yeah. well like a one yeah, I wanted it to.
1: Yeah, I lose games by often being, like, too greedy or too wishful thinking about certain things. And uh, it's interesting to ask yourself that question because it's usually don't think about that very often.
2: If you do want to up your win percentage, it's a really good way to sort of find those gaps in your play and get better. And in limited, I tend to be a little bit more spiky Mm -hmm. than I am in commander. And I'll look for things like that. And, and, you know, something I've tried to solve in my limited playing over the last couple of years is, yeah, if I lose, it's usually to like not having enough creatures or some, some like basic thing that I've ignored because I'm trying to, you know, put these three cards together. And, and usually I'm like, okay, I got to go back to my fundamentals and actually play 15 creatures and draft things like removal spells. Good, good thing, you,
1: good thing, good thing you have Where's some. Where's the fun in that? <laughs> yeah, right, well it's, it is good to know that like, like you said, you're more of a spike and limited than commander, I think that's really important especially if you're trying to figure out who you are as a player because if you're like, well I'm just this thing, so I'm this thing across everything, that may not actually be the case. Uh, it may even be, it may even differ based on who you're playing with necessarily that mm-hmm. night. Uh, a third question to ask yourself is what are your ultimate goals with EDH Is it to have fun? Is it to win? Is it to play the politics of the system? Um, And this is something I actually ask myself all the time. Like, I want to make sure that, like, a week from now, if I'm like, hmm, what kind of, what are my goals with EDH? Are they the same as last week? Because they may not be. Maybe after playing a night and seeing how someone else did it, I'm
2: going to alter my goals a little bit to, like, take on something that I liked from what they did. Yeah, and definitely night to night, it'll change for me. Like, if I won a couple times the last time we played, man, the pressure's kind of off. I might be like, okay, let me play this really crappy deck and see if I can, what I can do Mm -hmm. politically, you know? And a lot of times you're like, you don't win that game, but you're like, oh, I did pretty well. I got that guy to attack that guy and whatever, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a win in my book. You I know? learned something. We've talked about this before, which is like resetting your win condition or resetting, you know, the parameters in your brain. And all of a sudden you can really do some amazing things and sort of force yourself outside of your normal box, which can really push you and make you find things that you're like, oh, I actually liked that. I mean, mm-hmm. that's something I would have tried. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and of course, don't be afraid
1: to ask yourself the hard questions. Uh, so for instance, are you the kind of player that wants to actively make a change or on the other end of the scale, just doesn't care? Are you someone that relies heavily on politics or doesn't politic at all? Are you someone that complains or someone that doesn't complain? And it's okay. Like I complain often, I whine, but we all do it. But like knowing that you do it and recognizing that will help you understand your place in your play group. And also help you sort of analyze what everyone else is doing and see where everyone else sort of fits in with each other. Um, Are you someone that negatively contributes when something happens? Are you someone that positively contributes? Or are you sort of in the middle? So these are all sort of ranging scales and sliders. Just make sure that you can ask yourself those questions. because Well,
2: and I would also say, like, when you get the answer, if you don't like the answer, you can change. That's one of the great things. I think there's a lot of people in life that think like I'm not good at math and then they just sort of write off math and they don't think they're but that's not the way that it works I promise if you want to get good at something maybe you can't be the math best mathematician in the world but you can definitely become proficient at anything Mm -hmm. and you can become proficient at you know politicking even if you don't see yourself as a political player at first by just like actually practicing it and trying to get better at it yeah a hundred percent I wasn't good at magic when I first started playing I'm still not good. Yeah, anybody who plays a game like Magic, Magic should know inherently that you can improve at stuff because mm-hmm. that's really what Magic is. Like nobody plays Magic the first five times, and that's just how good they are. Like <laughs> you're still getting better after a couple years of playing it and learning things. So yeah, definitely.
1: Um, now that you sort of know yourself as a player, it's time to ask yourself, what is your EDH play group's meta? So. Uh, Part of that is what do you bring to the table? So what are your decks? What are your archetypes that you bring? And also what decks does your playgroup like to bring? Um, And get as specific as you can handle. Like there's a lot of information flying around. If you asked me to name all of Craig Blanchett's decks, I would get through maybe four before I just ended up being like, I don't know. And then he does a bunch of Infect. (laughs) You know, (laughs) true so like at least i know the archetype right craig likes to play either like super aggressive decks or he plays a johnny combo deck uh where he likes to make everything uh, combo off together and, and sort of like have super synergy right uh and i know that kessler likes to build this way and you like to do this kind of kessler,
2: deck. kessler will never kill you by attacking with creatures yes yeah
1: yeah um and every time you like play a game with your friends after the game, you know, make a note. What beat you that game? What won you that game? Or why did it win you the game? Was it because someone else did something and you capitalized on it? Or was it because it was all from your own deck's sort of uh, fruition? It's good to know because it's also gonna help uh, address what we talk about later on, which is how to change yourself in regards to your meta. I'm late here. Oh, you're late? Oh, no. Um,
0: um,
1: oh, yes. If you're in a like an LGS and you play with a bunch of people, uh, the information just, you need to make it, you need to frame it to be much more general in your head. So are the players you play against Johnny, Spike, or Timmy's, or Vorthosi players, like what percentage of them are Spikes, what percentage are Timmy's? Um, There's some places where it's gonna be all Spikes, some places where they're all Timmy's, you know, like, so just make sure you know.
2: In public settings, things like LGS's, GPs, uh, definitely they tend to be more, quote unquote, competitive, just mm-hmm. more spiky, um, more tuned. Yeah. Because if you're going to a setting and you don't know, you tend to play your best deck. hmm Um... So that's that's just sort of normal, and we hear that a lot.
1: Yeah, it's also good to know, like, if you've played at your LGS for a while, are the decks expensive, or are they more on the affordable side? Are the people that play EDH because uh, they draft a lot, so they kind of have standard EDH decks, if that makes sense, like cards that are in standard are also in their decks because they draft and put them into a deck? Or are they people that play modern, and so their decks are more like a modern deck and have a lot of those staples in it? Or are they, like, legacy, even you know, like basically you can try and try and figure out where everyone's decks are where yours are as well i would say mine definitely float around the modern side with a splash of legacy because i have lands if that makes sense
2: yeah our play group i mean most people in our play group have the power level is pretty high the they have Mm. access to most most cards maybe not the highest high legacy cards but just a step below that there's not like a bunch of candelabras of (laughs) katanos running around but there's dual lands yeah exactly
1: uh which actually aren't that powerful which is kind of funny um and also like how many of the decks in your meta are combo decks voltron tokens control etc yada yada
2: you usually can nail down each player in general of what they liked they generally like to do now players like craig you know he likes infect but it also means that he likes the quick kill type decks those type of decks that like sort of pounce on one person early and and try and go after them. And it's not that all of his decks play that way, it's just that's very often the type of thing he would wanna play. So that means that my decks, when I build them, they have to take that into account.
1: Yeah, definitely.
2: All right, let's move on to the second point of discussion when talking
1: about the meta, which is evaluating yourself against the meta and the meta against you. So this is a very overarching way to look at what works and what doesn't. And we're gonna look at very specific cards and common things that we deal with in Commander because Our format is great. I mean, Magic is great. You have a problem, guess what? There's literally a card that deals with that problem. Probably a lot of cards. Yeah, (laughs) probably a lot of cards. Um, Sometimes the answer is politics. Most often, though, the answer is a card. Uh, So first off, let's talk about something like Graveyard Hate. So when you're thinking about Graveyard Hate, how many decks in your meta or your own personal collection of decks hinge on Graveyard Synergy to win Uh, And if it doesn't hinge on Graveyard Synergy to win, can your deck keep up with non-lethal Graveyard value? So let's say you're playing a Carador deck, and it is a main part of that deck to be able to use its Graveyard, but it doesn't mean that that person is using a combo out of their Graveyard to win the game. They're just using it to generate a ton of value. And Mm -hmm. if you're facing a bunch of those decks, your deck has to be able to keep up with what they're doing. It's very hard sometimes, I'll say
2: that much. It's the same kind of thing I was just talking about, which is, like, if Craig's doing a lot of Infect, I have to... Put some cards into all my decks that are, deal with that because it's something I'm going to face a lot. So, mm-hmm. if there's a bunch of, if there's a Marin deck and a Carador deck and a Sharoom deck, maybe, and a, there's a whole bunch that deal with the graveyard, right? Then I probably, my deck should have a few cards that deal with the graveyard in some way because it's just something that I'm going to be facing a lot.
1: Yeah, and if it is, if you know you're going to be facing it a lot as well, you also have to evaluate what, how, what effect does it have on your deck to put graveyard hate in there? So does it fit in seamlessly or are you taking out other really important things that may deal with other parts of your meta? So you always have to sort of value the upside versus the downside when it comes to stuff like that. Um, Edict effects. So how many Voltron decks are running around in your meta? Uh, edict, by the way, is an effect that forces everyone to sacrifice a creature. It's very good against people or that Or forces have, anybody to sacrifice forces anyone, yeah. yeah. Very good against someone that only has one creature on their board that they've invested a lot of mana and cards into. Uh, very bad against token decks that have a billion things to sacrifice. Bad against Sigarda. Bad against Sigarda. Um, but it's good against things like Hexproof as well. Because Narset. You Narset, oh my gosh. Um, so also, you, uh, Edict effects are really good against people that, pl- like, for instance, you have a really good uh, Tim- deck that has a lot of tappers a lot of utility creatures if everyone is running a deck that has like three creatures on the battlefield they're all very important and very powerful and edict effect is great because all of a sudden it gets rid of three different creatures that are really troublesome yep it's like a triple removal spell for all creatures that matter um but the big question here is is it going to be better than a board wipe
2: yeah that's it or single target removal Mm -hmm. yeah And, and you just ran down most of the cases where it is better um and again if people are Normally, like you might have a player in your play group that just loves to make their stuff indestructible and hexproof. Well, then edict effects are your friend. You may yeah. not have decks that were really trying to do that, in which case maybe you don't need the edict effects as much. I mean, it, there's always going to be a deck where that's part of the synergy, and that's a different thing. I think we mean when you're just adding it literally so that you have some avenue of attack against certain decks. Yeah, and there's also, um,
1: what's the one black black? Grave Pact, Yes. right? So this makes everyone sack a creature one of your creatures dies. I've had times where I play Grave Pact and just watch it sit there while everyone else is comboing off, doing things with artifacts and enchantments and glacial chasms, and I'm going, well, I wish I had a very different card in this situation that dealt with the things I'm actually seeing with, even
2: though Grave Pact in general is it's one of those. a the really big. good card, yeah. but yeah, there will be certain decks where it's certainly not that great.
1: Yeah, and, and of course, certain play groups where just it's not going to be as effective. Or people just know, and they've they boarded in their own enchantment removal and are able to deal with something like that as soon as it comes up. Uh, single target land destruction is another category under this. Um, you need not, it in our play group. <laughs> oh my gosh, you do. But matter or not, you should have a strip mine in every single one of your decks.
2: But the question is, is do you need to include an expedition map in order to search it out? Um, yeah. Or a Teleria West. Like, yeah. How much redundancy for that effect do you need? Because how important is it? And in our play group, like I was saying, you probably need at least a couple ways to go find it because, I play Glacial Chasm in like every deck. So you're going to play against me at least. And as a result, a lot of people play Glacial Chasm in their decks now. And so that's just a card you're going to run into. Never mind like Maze of Iths Mm -hmm. and Cabal Coffers and Urborgs and stuff like
1: that. Someone's going to have a guy's cradle in their deck. And you know that if that person plays that and is allowed to have it for more than two turns, you're just going to lose, right? So knowing whether or not you need to get your single target land destruction is very important because some decks... I mean, some decks that you play, for instance, Mizzix doesn't care about Glacial Chasm, really. Right. Like, right. he can just bounce it. He's not going to kill or you. she's by... going to bounce yeah, it. Yeah. She's going to do something else to it. Um, but some decks just fold to it.
2: <laughs> There's certain decks that cannot beat Glacial Chasm unless they've got Strip Mine or something. So, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Um, so, fortunately, though, like, this is one of those situations where you can run an expedition map that can search out five different lands in your deck. And if you need to get Strip Mine, great. But if you just draw it in your hand and you know there's something else that would be good in this situation, well then excellent. You can go grab that instead of Sermine. Ah, the power of tutors. Ah, yes. Uh, deck is another deck I think a lot of people face. Uh, So how many control builds are in your meta? It doesn't even have to be counterspell necessarily. It could be, you know, some people play Sultai Control. So it's just a bunch of cards that board wipe, stop you from doing stuff, bounce everything. And they may not have a single counterspell, but they're still a control deck. So... Um, are you the kind of person that's going to politic your way through it, or are you going to use cards to beat it?
2: Yeah, I also I do think counterspell in general is a thing you should pay attention to, and, and most people do. If there's a lot in your meta, then you start running things like Busseju, which right. allow you to cast through counterspells, and you start lowering your mana curve on your decks too, if there's a lot of counterspells, just because you have to be able to cast more spells per turn to sort of get through those counterspells. Yeah. Um, more things with flash and instant speed so that you know they're going to try and spend their mana at the end of a certain turn, and now you can, oh, you're tapped out. Now I can play something at instant speed, um, stuff like that. So th- those are other ways to respond to that counterspell deck. But uh, but again, control as a whole archetype. We need to do an archetype series about that one of these days. Um, if only either of us really enjoyed playing it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to teach people how to beat it yeah that's true i don't want i also don't want to test it out in order to do a podcast about it. i've got lots of control type decks yeah um anyway so yep that's definitely another archetype that you, or piece of the meta to pay attention to. in fact i'd say that's one of the bigger ones how mm-hmm. many how many counter in general are played you know i'd say in our play group there are there's a music Mizzic, a decks from you i have one mm-hmm. uh, craig has a tower end deck There's not a lot of, besides those three decks, there's not a whole bunch of heavy counterspell decks, and we don't pull those out very often. There tends to be counterspells in our games, but there doesn't tend to be, like, dedicated counterspell decks. So most decks might have, like, three or maybe four. And Mm -hmm. so you do have to think about them, but it's not like every spell you're playing is getting countered. So as a result, we're not, in our meta, running a ton of Boseiju-type effects to get through that stuff. We're not building our decks of, like, well, how do I get through the inevitable wall of counterspells because right. it's not inevitable in our in our meta?
1: Yeah, I think the bigger thing in our meta is someone like Alex uh, Kessler will, will sit there and make sure he always has at least one counterspell open during the crucial turns of the game. Mm-hmm. So you're safe sort of going up till turn seven through 10 But at that point, you know that he's not, he doesn't have a counterspell deck, but you know that he is the kind of person that will definitely make sure that you don't just play one card and win the game immediately because maybe in his old meta, he was used to people doing that and that's sort of a carryover habit. Turns out it's very effective. Um, but knowing that you can play around it, knowing that you can make sure that you build your deck in a way so that you can play spells early or you can play a second spell if he counters one or you can bait out the counter spell. These are all sort of meta decisions that you're making on the fly every time you play against someone that you know is going to try and counter something or is holding up a counter spell or you can politic it and be like, hey, this is gonna help us. <laughs> Don't counter it. Counter what he's gonna do or what she's gonna do. And see what she's happens. She's trying so. to win, not me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: Um, board wipes. I've, I've played with some uh, groups that just don't play board wipes. There's definitely been when we've played, there's a, a moment in some games where I'm like, oh, this current group that I'm playing with, there's no board wipes. Okay. Just yeah, play everything. And it's just like the, because our playgroup, this is one of the parts where we have tons of board wipes. And I'm a huge culprit. Like, I just believe in playing like tons of them because they're the only thing that get you out of a lot of jams. Yeah. And so. I'm just so used to building my decks of like, I don't want to be weak to board wipes that when you finally run into a group where they're like, they don't play a lot of board wipes, that it's just like, everything's possible. (laughs) This is the best. I can just play my creatures. I don't even have to worry about it. Go crazy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And there are board wipes of every kind. There's creature, artifact, enchantment, and land board wipes. Um, Knowing like, for instance, if everyone's running Vandal Blast, Like, great, maybe you shouldn't, you know, everyone, okay, these three people are playing red. I'm not going to play out all of my mana ramp stuff and make myself a target when I notice that they're not playing their artifacts and they're holding something in their hand. Um, Also, it's good to know what board wipes are available for your commander's colors or just in the colors that you're playing against. So if you're playing, I mean, I think almost every color has a form of board wipe that can get rid of everything, Mm -hmm. but at least you can play around certain ones. If you, for instance, you know that, oh, no one here is playing black. I don't need to worry about toxic deluge. Um, or Black sun Zenith, you know, like those kinds of cards. So it's good to to be able to know what colors do what kind of board wipes. Um, And I just mentioned about mass land destruction. Mm -hmm. There are definitely groups that go ham with mass land destruction, Ours is not one of them, but we what, have some though. We definitely have some. And it is a hundred percent a a used to be, I believe, a primary win condition of our friend Wesley's deck. Mm-hmm. Cause he builds first commander deck and he's like, well, it's a five color, just fun, good stuff deck. My win condition is gonna be Armageddon and Ulamog. Yep. Which is like, oh, that's a that's a very good win condition. No one has lands and you're annihilating everything on their board. Um but now that we know that, now that I know that. I'll make sure to, when I'm playing against that deck, to either hold lands back or hold a counterspell or just know that I need to play around this thing because it exists, and if it happens, there's no way I'm winning.
2: Yep. Um Yeah. We we don't have that, map, that land destruction thing that a lot of groups have, which is they're just very, very anti it. It's fine. It's fine. And hey, if I lose to it, that means I wasn't prepared. It's no different than minute. losing to... um I don't know, An uh, infinite, tooth think, and nail or something. Yeah. <laughs> An
1: infinite combo gets irks me more than land destruction because at least I may be able to draw myself out of it. You know what I
2: mean? Yeah, infinites are fine too. I can usually sort supply shares out of it and if I don't have that or a counterspell or some other way, then, you know, you win. Yeah, get the soda from the fridge. Playing right. the game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, the third section here is how to adjust slash capitalize slash change the meta. Uh, before we start... We're not asking you to change how you play. We're not saying the way you're playing is not fun or right. We're just giving you options. And if you, if you feel like you're in a rut, right, or like you're playing with friends and you're not really like getting what you want out of it, maybe it's because you're avoiding what the meta is telling you to do. And I, I, I see this a lot where someone's like, I want to build X deck that does this and that. And they'll bring it somewhere and they'll play it and find out that it does not do this, that, or the thing that they wanted it to do because it's just the people they're playing with Uh, it's specifically not a great environment for that deck to thrive and they'll get really discouraged. But I'm like, Hey, that deck can still work in different metas, but it doesn't, it just means that you need to adjust to that. And maybe it's just switching out five to six cards in your deck when you're playing in this play
2: group to, to have it achieve the goals that you have set out for it. It's kind of pointless to think about magic in a vacuum, especially commander. You're always commander is just, the way that it works, you're always playing with a number of other people. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice if, in theory, in a vacuum, you know, this should do this. And, well, they're playing a Leovold deck, so I can't do that. And that therefore, that's them. It's not them. It's the game of magic. Like, they could be playing a Mass Land Destruction deck. Or they mm-hmm. could be playing a Counterspell deck. Or a million other things that are going to get you frustrated. Because the goal of a lot of decks is to stop other decks from doing stuff. Yeah, You know... That's sort of the, the move counter move of any strategy game. There's always the tactic of be aggressive, go after somebody, but there's also be reactive, parry everything they're doing and then counter strike. Mm-hmm. And that's what strategy and tactics are about. So it does frustrate me in general when people sort of take that tact of, well, this thing isn't allowing me to have, and, and well, it's like, what do you want? Cause you gotta play against people. Yeah, you're gonna play against a lot
1: of different decks and you're not you can't control what's gonna happen
2: And You don't actually want to just play against only red white decks that are gonna attack you I I guarantee you don't want that. It'll get boring. You want varied play styles from different people That's what makes the game fun So you kind of got to take the good with the bad on that one and sometimes the bad is yeah some people are playing a derevi stack stack and you know, you might have to take your lumps that game. And I get it if they're playing it all the time and you can choose not to play with certain people, whatever, I'm not telling you what to like. I'm just mm-hmm. saying like, in general, I think people don't think about that. It's like, yeah. there's not a perfect world where every person you play with is exactly the type of person that you wanna play against.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe you spend years crafting that play group and getting there, but at the same time, it's just, it's that's not terribly realistic. Uh, we I think we have a pretty good play group that has Sort of worked out the edges and figured out what's you know good, what's bad, sort of like molded ourselves to be something that we all want, but I still don't want it to ever get boring because that's just not what I want out of a magic game
2: That's a really good point, and we've talked about this on the show before, which is that a healthy meta is constantly evolving. You know, unhealthy metas are stagnant mm-hmm. where people aren't changing their decks. And they're not like updating when new cards come out and they're not going like, oh, he's got a lot of, you know, the other three players in the group play a lot of graveyard stuff. I'm going to put start putting some graveyard hate in. And as a result to counter your graveyard hate, they'd start doing something else. And then you have to counter that and they have to counter that. And that's part of the fun. A big part of the fun of playing magic is just that ever evolving meta.
1: Always changing. All right. So. First up, if you're adjusting to the meta, be wary of over-adjusting. I already talked about this, but don't put in so many cards that are just answers to things that you've had trouble with that you don't have a deck anymore and your yeah. deck doesn't have an identity. It's just literally, you know, 80 different Bojuka bog effects to get rid of <laughs> Graveyards. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't need all of those. Um, so, like, tr- in general, you want to keep the card balance the same. We talk about this a lot, you know, the right number of cards to ramp you with mana, to give you card draw. There it is. There it is. We always talk about it. You always got to have that. It's still in the deck. Like, don't take those things out to address the meta because then you're going to start really. It's like, hey, you're a championship runner, uh, but you're going through the cold. We're going to put a jacket on you, but you're also going to be maybe running through some other stuff, so we're going to change your shoes. We're going to change your shorts. Like, no, 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 you don't need to change everything. You, usually it's just a couple of small things here and there without hampering the person's ability to perform, or the deck in this case. Yeah, that's... Uh, I'm a championship runner. Yeah, you're not Segway Man, that's for sure. Um, Segway Man is like this. <laughs> He's not running. <laughs> it's like it's like if Segway man had to adjust because he had to go upstairs. It's like you know you could just you know get better wheels. It's like no no I need to find a contraption to to lift this and make an elevator and bring it all I the need way up the there. Speed
2: Racer jump button. Yeah,
1: <laughs> there
2: are easier ways. I still don't think Segways can go upstairs, but I'm sure. If you had the Speed Racer jump button, that, yeah. By but the we... way, that button solves everything. Oh. In Speed Racer, that movie. It like, it's just the answer to anything that's happening in a race. He's just like, every time something's about to happen, push that button. That button, it, it gets you out of every jam.
1: Like, his car is completely broke down. He just, like, wishes really hard yeah. and thinks hits about his button. dreams. Hits the Boom. button. He's off to the races. That's right. Um, all, yeah, ultimately, just if you're adjusting your deck to, uh, to address the meta, make sure it's wor- really worth it because there are multiple ways to answer everything in Magic. For instance, sometimes you can just go around the problem Like, you don't need to actually address it head on. Like, if the wave is coming towards you, you can step aside and let it pass and have it affect someone else or have someone else deal with it with politics. So you don't actually necessarily have to change your deck every time to address a problem in your meta. Well,
2: and we alluded to this earlier. I think that some people don't think of all the ways to attack a problem. So, Mm -hmm. like, there was... I remember... Back in the day, I used to play a lot of basketball. And there was this guy that would come play, and he was really, really good. He he never missed, basically. Like he was a really good shooter. He was a little bit older than me at the time. I was, I was about your age. And I just couldn't guard him. When I guarded him, he would just, he would just score on me. And I the way I figured out to beat him was just instead of trying to like shoot better than him or defend him, I decided to be in better shape than him. Mm-hmm. And what I would do is I would just run like crazy because he had to defend me. Right. And I would just that was my strategy against the guy was to actually make him tired. Oh, so he can so he couldn't do his job when he got. To and his well, what what happened play. was after the first like half of the game, he would be really winded and he wouldn't be able to get open anymore and get the ball. And so then I could just stop him from ever really getting the ball because he never missed if he shot. But I could get him tired enough where he just wasn't trying as hard as he normally would, and he would just sort of like suck wind. And that's a weird way to try and beat somebody, right? Mm-hmm. It's not how you would normally think of it, and that's kind of like. That's kind of like uh, the curve thing we, I was talking about earlier where like sometimes the answer is they got a lot of this, they got a lot of that and I could put in graveyard hate and I could blah, blah, blah. Sometimes it's just lower the curve of your deck and get out to, out of the gates faster. Yeah, that's a, really, that's a
1: really good point. Now I know how also to defeat you.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, getting, now, I, now I'm that guy. Get winded. The, yeah, I'm the out of shape guy now. But I, I unfortunately don't also have the don't miss part of I that I was going to say like yeah. do you make every shot you take? No, oh, no, boy. no. I've never <laughs> been that guy.
1: <laughs> all right uh next up how to capitalize on the meta so if your play group can't beat a certain deck or strategy you could play that deck or strategy and you know make them adjust but for a, a for a shining moment there you're gonna have beaten the meta you'll have figured it out that hey no one's playing board wipes i'm gonna play a billion creatures and just start winning left and right because that's it works very well against this play group. Now, eventually that may change, but if you wanted to you know, get on top of that, you can take a, a hard look at what's happening in the meta you're playing with and figure out like, hmm, you know, I want to build this commander because I think it's going to do well against them. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also capitalize if a dominant deck type that is in your meta, like let's say everyone's playing tokens, can be stopped by a certain deck or a strategy or politicking. In this case, it's like, cool, is, is everyone playing an infinite combo where they use Kiki-Jiki to make a thousand things? rakdos charm like that's your best friend you're just gonna kill someone with that card um or like just board wipes you know stuff like that
2: board wipes are always good yeah play more of them play all of them
1: don't play (laughs) fumigate though that card is so sad
2: but it gives you a lot of life yeah but like they're killing thousands of gremlins i don't get why that leads to life gain. yeah i don't either like pesticides don't I guess they grow crops, and then people... What's
1: the person doing it? As in, like, maybe they receive the benefit... I don't know. Either way, they're killing a lot of gremlins, and they're really cute.
2: Gremlins, I don't know, aren't... What are the... No, the cute ones are the ones before they turn into gremlins. Oh, right. If we're talking gremlins, the movie gremlins. Yeah, what's gizmo? Gizmo is... Mogwai or something. Mogwai? Maybe. I don't remember. They're they're called something before they turn into the ugly, green, crazy things. Yeah.
1: Yeah, very crazy looking. Um, Okay, finally, changing the meta um so what was that i don't know but your upstairs neighbor did not like changing the meta no they did not (laughs) i don't know if you guys heard that on the mic it was scary it's like a pounding it sounded like a horror movie we're good we're we're cool i brought you through 126 episodes of this podcast to murder you josh (laughs) (laughs) just when you thought you were safe (laughs) (laughs) yeah i gotta get you winded first though um so in terms of changing the meta are your choices when you're deck building are they going to directly address the meta or are they going to do something outside of it like we said in capitalizing like if you're are you going to build a deck that's going to go over the top of what your meta can deal with or are you going to do something to directly like be like look we're not going to have these graveyard shenanigans anymore i'm going to make sure with the decks that i build i'm always going to have a way to hose people's graveyards Uh, So you're literally changing the meta when you do that because you will force people to take action based on whether or not you're trying to uh, directly affect the strategies they use or go over them in a way that they haven't been able to deal with before. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, discussion is actually really important too. like talk to people if your meta is unhealthy. If people are doing things like, oh, this person, every time he whines, he picks up the table and throws the cards everywhere. It's like, well maybe we should either talk to that person or not play with them. But you can change the meta by having a discussion. Um, it's a very logical, like, fact-based approach to going on, too, that you can that you can take. You don't need to be like, hey, I don't like you. Can you change the way you are? It's like, hey, everyone's playing a Marin deck. Literally everyone has a Mizzix deck. Like, what's going on? Can we? Can someone build a different deck? And I'm pretty sure... Someone's going to go, yeah, I think that's a good
2: idea. <laughs> I mean, we've always been a big advocate of open communication and in not letting things fester and resentment grow. And I think that's just a good lesson to have in life is just if something's bothering you for a while, you know, for any amount of time, usually attacking it head on by just having a discussion. Just mm-hmm. being like and not attacking. Attacking is the wrong word. That was a bad word. Just addressing, addressing it head on because yeah. attacking is like going after the person you're doing this and blah, blah, blah. Not that way. Just like, hey. You know, you may not be aware, but it's not super fun when blah, 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 or, you know, I'm not having as much of a good time, and it's sort Mm -hmm. of making me not want to play, and I want to want to play, so maybe we can work this out. And just addressing it from sort of that tact and that angle you can have really good results.
1: Yeah. Uh, And if your meta can agree on something, we know that, uh, for instance, the commander and guys, they have their own specific ban list. People have their own rule sets. People like to play certain ways. Like, again, the commander site even encourages you to come up with your own rules if something's not working out. So see if your meta, you can talk to them and agree on something. And if you don't agree with what the meta's decided, then you can choose to not be a part of it. You can choose to address it head on
2: by talking to the people that made those rules changes. Um, and I, I would caution people. And we heard this a lot, especially with Leovold. I saw mm. a lot of this in the comments, which was like, we banned Leovold. And I was, my brain's like, it's really fast to do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, if that can be a problem with your meta too, is that it's instead of adjusting and dealing with things, it's taking the, the tact of just banning it. You know, we heard, yeah. we've heard people of like banning the original Avison. Things like that. And that that to me is like, I don't know. Original Avacyn is definitely totally fair as far as Commander goes. Like, it's a very strong card, but there's no reason it should be banned. And it Mm -hmm. worries me if your playgroup is banning things like that in the first or second week that it's out because it means that people are unwilling to even try to adjust. Now, I get it if after a while, a few attempts, a few you know a few sessions of playing and something's being really oppressive and nobody can really find the answer to it okay then maybe you know in your group you need to discuss it but i would caution you against like very quickly jumping to ban that card
1: yeah um and you know you're not going to be able to change the meta entirely one way or another because you're just one part of the meta let's say your meta is four people you have a 25 percent stake in that meta and that's not Uh, No, that's not a majority. You can't single-handedly usually create something that changes the whole thing. It's got to be something that you need to talk to other people to or, you know, slowly demonstrate through action, building a deck that does a certain thing. Other people will, like, go, oh, that's a great idea. I need to do that, too. And then when they do that, then all of a sudden you have 50% of people trying to change the meta, and the things will slowly start to shift. This thing is always going to be evolving and changing and, and going through its different turns and evolutions throughout the course of
2: you playing Magic the Gathering. I would say too that playing outside of your meta, going out into the wild, quote unquote, it's an amazing thing, and it will make your play better. It'll make your decks better. You know, we we sort of are forced into doing this when we go to GPS and stuff because a lot right. of people want to play with us, and I love it. Um, I shouldn't say forced, but I, I mean that it makes us do that where maybe we wouldn't have before the right. show existed, and it gives also like a lot of EDH players the chance to congregate and play against a lot of different people and you see a lot of different decks and that sort of opens your mind up to a whole bunch of stuff. Every time we go to a GP and we'll sort of, you know, we like to say we're at this table number and we'll get crowds of 50 people a lot of times and we'll be jumping from game to game to game very fast with different play groups and you get to see a wide assortment of decks and ways people do things and it just broadens your horizons so much and you yeah. and you find things out about your decks too about how they're going to work when they move from meta to meta. You know, when the commander and when Andy Hull came and played with us and his friend Brandon uh, that first time when they were on our show, which is maybe a hundred episodes ago. Um, I remember we were having a discussion and, and like Brendan or somebody was playing like an in, in exploration in their deck and they didn't have a lot of card draw. And I was like, that's an inter- that's a weird card. I I I don't know if it's good in your deck because, you know, you don't have a ton of card draw to make, to take advantage of it. And he's like, well, we have three Nekusar decks in our play group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, there you go. So in your meta, you don't actually need to put in a ton of card draw because you have a whole bunch of decks that are just going to make you draw cards. So you can sort yeah. of count on that. And those are things you have to be aware of when you're jumping outside your meta and playing in other groups because you're not going to play against 3 Nekusar decks. And so exploration might be a really bad card in that instance. So it's just good to know about that stuff. Um, and And I'll even have certain decks that are better when we're playing in our meta than they are... And then, then other decks that I'll play while oh, yeah. we're playing with sort of at the GPs or whatever.
1: 100%. Yeah. And I, I find that I build decks for like the bigger events that are, that have a lot of catch all answers and will be better in a foreign, I have no idea what's going to happen meta than decks that are very much like, I know this deck works because of X, Y, and Z. Yep. All right. Well, that just about wraps up our discussion on the meta. And you, the player um this is something that i'm sure we'll continue to talk about in the future but it's something really just to take note of like ask yourself like what kind of player are you what what are your goals always be reevaluating these things because it really helps you have a lot more fun with the game in the long run because if you are honest to yourself and you know what you're doing what the men is doing and what's happening around you you're gonna you're just gonna have a better time
2: totally agree All
1: right, to the listeners, we want to know about your meta. I would love to know if you've done something to change your meta, to alter it uh, for yourself or the group at large. Uh, I want to know if there's something especially unique about your meta.
2: What's what's crazy? Who are you in your meta, too? I like hearing people. A lot of people are like, I'm the control player in my meta, or I'm the aggro player in my meta. I'm the politician. Um and uh,
1: again, uh, one more shout out to our sponsor, cardkingdom.com.com. Dot Dot com. We're gonna be giving away tons of stuff. Card Kingdom also sometimes helps out with that giveaway stuff as well. Uh so just make sure you guys go to the website, cardkingdom.com slash command zone. They're always doing cool stuff. Our affiliate link just lets them know that you're visiting the site and purchasing things through
2: us. We just got an email from uh one of our listeners in Australia, mm. Nuno Gomez. Oh, that sounds right. Yep. And um, Nuno was saying that lives in Australia and is amazed, basically, how fast Card Kingdom will still get the cards over there. doesn't know how they do it, but Old says crap, it's Australia. Yeah, but wow. says that it's become like the go to place to order cards for them. So that's just we get testimonies like that all the time. Card Kingdom is great. Card Kingdom dot com slash command zone. Yeah, make sure you guys check that out. And also make sure you follow us
1: on Twitter at CommandCast because we're going to be giving away these. This week, we're going to be giving away these two Planeswalker
2: decks from Kaladesh. There's a Chandra one and... Nissa. Pretty sweet. Follow us on Twitter so you have a chance to win again by the 18th of October. And these have two boosters in them too, so you might even crack a masterpiece. Oh, wow. Mana Vault. I I don't guarantee it, but I hope... (laughs) I hope as almost well. I almost said I guarantee it. That would have been a I guarantee idea. it. It's a command
1: zone guarantee. <laughs> um, moving on to the end where we talk about something cool outside of the world of magic. I have something finally uh, for the first time. This, is, feels like this is cool and
2: also crazy. How, okay,
1: explain it first and then I'll uh, ask my questions. I don't know why I spent so much time on this. <laughs>
2: it, took, it must have taken forever. I looked at it I was like, Holy crap.
1: There's also a typo in the first line, so I got to fix that before I post the new link. Um, <laughs> uh, Last week after, or I guess now will be two weeks, after the first presidential debate here in the United States of America, I was interested to find, um, because in the past, are, you you remember the people that have run for presidency in the past. So the last election was uh, Barack Obama versus Mitt, Mitt Romney. Romney. Before that, it was Barack Obama versus John McCain. Uh, and then you can go a bit further back. You had... Um, uh, Bush, bush versus Kerry. bush Kerry. yeah, Bush versus bush Bob Gore. Dole. Gore. Gore, yeah. Uh, you had Clinton-Dole, I think, yep. was the race right. So a question came to my mind, which is like, how are we actually ordering the search terms when we look up this stuff? Are we going Trump versus Clinton or Clinton versus Trump? And uh, Yeah, which
2: name comes which first. Which
1: name comes first? Does it actually matter? Because uh, in my head, it's always like, well, it should just be alphabetical. And I started to do more research and started looking deeper and deeper. And the wormhole, the rabbit hole just went deeper and deeper. And I eventually made an infographic that is like, if I printed it out, it would go from, I don't know, like be like 10 feet long. It's a
2: lot of pages. Like I clicked on expecting it to be like basically like one screen, oh, you no. know, one of my mm-hmm. computer screens. No, it's like scroll down, scroll down, scroll down, scroll down, still scrolling down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I used Google Trends to look up all
1: that information to see if it mattered, what order, we, what order we like to use. And there was a ton of really awesome information that I was able to get just by using Google Trends, which like tracks interest in a search term over time.
2: So it's super to, interesting.
1: Yeah, so if you guys want to check that out, spend some time, uh, learn a little bit of, I guess, political theory or just Google search theory. I don't even know what
2: you would call it. Yeah, it's not political theory. It's got to do something to do with, um, I don't know, the effect of... I don't know. The
1: psychology of ordering. Whether or not we uh, name, if we name something first, it it matters. It's definitely
2: psychology. I know there's something called the like special position effect, which Mm -hmm. has to do with primacy and recency, which has to do with like how memory works, and, like, if you do a list of long things, you're more likely to remember the first thing and the last thing. Um, It's probably related in some way to stuff like that. Yeah. Um, You'll show, like, a general tendency to lean towards either the first name or the second name said when there's two names said, maybe.
1: Yeah, and actually, I think that is kind of the overarching potential... Thing that I found out, but it's hard to prove. Again, you have very small amounts of information to really choose it against, and, and the search history doesn't go back before 2004 because the internet doesn't really exist before then. But well, well, it existed before then, but it didn't have, not these, really. It didn't have like Google like logging this information for you to research later. Al Gore hadn't invented it yet. Not yet. <laughs> but he did run for president, so yeah. hey, there you go. Hey. <laughs> uh, so
2: check that out. The image link will be in the uh, show notes below. Pretty cool. Um, Make sure also to check out our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern. Alex Kessler and Ben Bateman talk about the modern format and all things competitive magic. You can find them on Twitter at the TheMMCast.
1: And our editor for the show is Terry Robertson. He does an awesome job with all the video content. You can look at us, wave around these deck boxes and the cards that we talk about uh, by ch- going to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash The Command Zone podcast. Uh, We have a video up for every single episode. And Jeffrey Palmer very kindly has done the Living Card animations at Living Cards MTG. Uh, We're going to start talking to to Jeffrey soon.
2: We'll maybe have some new animations coming out. maybe. I think so. We might have some special stuff happening. Yes. More on that later.
1: Later. Much later. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Peace.
0: attention for further inquiries send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on twitter at jf wong and at josh lee Kwai. see you later alligator
1: greetings humans <laughs>
0: angie's list is now angie and we've heard a lot of theories about why i thought it was an eco move